Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Did you ever want your arrest for the murder of William Moore, who was the gas station attendant? But you're wrong. From NBI Studios, this is Truth and Justice, a crowdsourced investigation in real time. I'm Bob Ruff. Today's episode is all about truth. It's about setting the record straight. The term snowball, albeit a pun in this case, is the best description of what actually happened to Jamie Snow. One person tells a lie, which leads to a rumor, which gets spread and leads to even more rumors. The rumors lead to a lot of convicted felons using Jamie's life as a bargaining chip for their own. It went something like this. Someone says, hey, I wonder if Jamie Snow was involved in that murder. Then that turns into, I heard Jamie was involved. Before too long, everyone in town is saying that Jamie was involved in Bill's murder. Then, here's a demand in jail, who had heard the rumors that Jamie killed Bill, and is looking for a way out. He calls the police and offers to give them testimony against Jamie, in exchange for a reduced sentence. I mean, after all... It's not like he's really snitching. Everyone is saying Jamie did it. Then, the more people that get deals in exchange for testimony, the more people are lining up to jump in on the gravy train. What you end up with is guys like Travis Gaddis sitting down with police, trying to work out a deal. Texas Ranger James Holland is a legendary interrogator. They call him the serial killer whisperer. You can't hide those indications, and that's why yesterday I knew that he did it. But now, shocking interrogation tapes reveal how the super cop really operates. And that's why they asked me to come in, because I'm special. From Something Else, The Marshall Project, and Sony Music Entertainment, this is Smokescreen. Just say you're sorry. Listen and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm about to play for you a December 1999 police interview. A lot of the names are redacted, but the guy being interviewed is Travis Gaddis. As the story goes, back in the fall of 91, Travis is sitting around with his cousin Rick Bradford having drinks. In a drunken state, amongst all of the rumors flying around town, Travis tells Rick a story about how Jamie confessed to him. Then eight years later, this is what Travis had to tell investigators. Notice at the end of this interview, Gaddis's conditions for continuing the conversation about Jamie. 3 p.m. on December 26, 1996. I'm Detective Larry Shepard, Bloomington Police Department, and you are... 
we've talked a couple times previously, right? Right. Right. And uh, in one of our conversations, I asked you if you had any information about a homicide that occurred in Bloomington several years ago, the Clark gas station where William Little was murdered. Right. And did you did you have information about that? Uh, what I can remember is okay. Uh, what is it, what is it that you remember? What why don't you tell me what you've told me so far about how this conversation took place, who was present at the conversation, and what was said. I remember around, it was around uh, August or September of 1991, me, my brother Frank Roberts, Jamie Snow, and Mark McGowan, and some woman who I don't know. Um, okay. How do you remember it was August or September of 91? Because I got out of prison in July of 91. Okay. It was, some, it was and I got locked back up in November, so it was in between August, September, October when the conversation, I believe it was in August or September, though. Okay, so you got out of prison in July of 91. Right. And you went back in in November of 91. Right. And that this conversation occurred between the times you got out and went back in. Exactly. Okay. And you said uh, Frank Roberts. Right. And Mark McGowan. Right. And Jamie Snow. Right. And some gal was present at this conversation? Right. Okay. Go ahead. Uh, we were at, I can't remember for sure if it was, I believe it was at Six Points Road. Now that I think about it, we were drunk, just partying, and um, we ended up back at this, I believe it was the woman's house who's, who was sitting there with us. We was telling war stories. Um, Mark McGowan brought up the issue about not catching Jamie for not catching them Jamie for the Clark gas station murder. Um, Jamie was saying something about yeah they weren't going to be able to convict him on it or get him on it. Um, he then was talking about uh. was talking about uh, that they weren't going to be able to get him on it and um, he said that he shot the kid because of uh, that he thought that he, that he rec the kid recognized him that he recognized the kid from somewhere so he had to take him out I remember that who was saying that? Jamie Snow okay. and Mark was saying about he was hiding in a parking lot that was that's like behind around the corner in, in the sense um, that he was hiding waiting for Jamie that he had heard the gunshot go off and um, they took they fled on foot. I think that I remember I'm not sure on this that he said he indicated that the gun was buried or submerged in the gravel pits and mm 
not going to get anything out of it if he comes forth with it. But maybe getting killed over it. Do you know if there's anybody else who has first-hand knowledge of this murder? The girl, whoever she was, but I can't, like I said, I don't know, I can't remember her name. At this point when we're talking, have, have I promised you anything? Yes. What's that? You promised me that I would not be uh, charged with anything, uh, like such as obstructing justice or anything like that, and that you wouldn't harass my about it. Do you agree that? Yes. Yeah. That you wouldn't be charged with obstructing, and that I wouldn't harass Garen or Franklin or charge with any charge whatsoever. Charge with any charge. With any charge. Pertaining to this. Pertaining to this case, right. Other than if you actually put, took part in it. Right, well, I did take part in it, so. Okay. And harassing doesn't mean I was in prison when it happened, so I couldn't have took part in it. And harassing doesn't mean that I, I'm not going to talk to Franklin about it, right? I meant as in scaring him into freezing up about the situation. Right. Okay. Um, is there anything else you can add to it? I'm sure I could if I sat down and thought about it for, I mean, really try to dig in deep in my mind and remember more parts of it. But like I said, I was drunk, very drunk. And a lot of it sometimes, I mean, I'm going to be totally honest. I don't remember, like, when I say I think, I'm not 100% sure that them were the exact words that were used in certain instances. Okay, like, what instances? Like, I, I'm, I'm not, I don't think we expect you to remember word for word of a conversation that happened five years ago. But the crux of the conversation, what you're telling us is accurate. Right, for as long as far as I can remember, yes. Okay. And what you're telling me about this conversation is true. Right. Okay. Is there anything else you can add? No. Okay. It's 6.13 p.m. December 26, 1996. Uh, if we need to, uh, would you be willing to talk about this again at, at a later time? If certain things uh, were were done, yes. Right. Okay. And by certain things, uh, we're saying that we would talk to the state's attorney and see if you could possibly get some some time out of this. Some time out of it? Some, some time reduced out of this. So completely reduced. I mean, it's... Is it, I'm about to get off into my other uh, speculations here. Well, 
we don't need to get into the other speculations. But you haven't, at this point, you haven't been promised anything, correct? Other than the obstructing justice and uh, yeah, harassing Franklin. Well, uh, I, no, I don't want to be charged with nothing whatsoever. Right. Nothing. Right. Or I didn't, and I don't want my charged with anything. And as long as they're not, as long as you or him are not, neither one of us are involved. Neither one of us are involved. Okay. So this concludes the end of the taped interview. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The state didn't end up using Gaddis to testify against Jamie at trial. The only reason that I can figure that they chose not to use his testimony would be because he made his conditions clear on tape. Even though other snitches' testimonies were less believable and some of them even failed polygraph tests, they didn't put their deals or conditions on the record, so the prosecution didn't have to deal with it at trial. Travis came to the police's attention because his cousin Rick Bradford felt the need to do the right thing after Gaddis told him that Jamie had confessed to him. Thinking of the hurt Bill's family must be going through, Rick wrote a letter to the Littles telling them what he had heard. A whole lot of time passes, and then eight years later, Rick also found himself sitting in front of Detectives Katz and Barkas as they worked to build a case against Jamie. At the Robinson Correctional Center, a reference to uh, the William Little homicide, case number 91002150. The homicide occurred on March 31st, 1991 at the Clark Oil Station. Present during this interview is Rick Detective Dan Katz, Detective Rick Barkas, and Lieutenant Jack Brookhart of the Robinson Correctional Center. Before we get started, Rick, I have to ask you, you're aware that this interview is being tape recorded, is that correct? Yes. And do I have your permission to do that? Yes. Rick, <coughs> what I want to talk to you about is a letter that you wrote to the Little family back in 92-93. Uh, do you recall a letter you wrote to the Little family in reference to the uh, shooting of their son? Yes, I do. I believe I was in the Centralia Correctional Center when I wrote it. Okay. Can you tell me, to the best of your knowledge, what you wrote? Uh, well, I wrote to them. Uh, just at that time, I remember seeing something about uh, that they were trying to get you know, all the information they could about the death of their son. and. Uh, who was a, a friend of my little brother's, so I thought, if there's something I do to hell, I wrote this letter about, uh, I had talked to my cousin, Travis Gaddis, who said uh, this Jamie Snow had admitted to him 
that he had done it. And, uh, you know, like I said, Tra I don't think Travis would tell me so. Unless he honestly believed that Jamie was truthful to him, I don't think he would have told me because he wouldn't have believed him himself. But, you know, I just, for some reason, I just felt there was something about the way Travis told me. Like, he was dead serious. You know, this guy told me he did it. So, basically what you're saying, Rick, I apologize for cutting you off. So, you're saying that for Travis Gaddis to tell you, he must have believed in his own mind that what Jamie told him was the truth. Yeah, I, yeah, I believe that. Did he, did Travis tell you any of the circumstances involved or anything? Or, or how uh, William Little was shot? No, he, 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 like I said, it's been a while, I don't remember. I don't think he told me any you know, specifics or details. To just mention the fact that I know shortly after that Jamie left the state to Florida or Arizona, some, I mean, some other state. I'm assuming it was Florida. I think that's what he told me. Who told you? Travis. Okay. Told me this. Now, why would Travis volunteer this information to you? Well, because he's my cousin. I've known him since he was little. And, uh, he knows it's, well, I mean, he figured to tell me it's something he didn't figure I would repeat. But he also didn't know that the kid was, I mean, he was my brother's best friend. And, and it wouldn't matter who it was. I mean, that's just the way that kid was killed. It was, it was wrong. Now, Travis told you this. Where were you at? In the West Pot of McLean County Jail. And what, do you know what he was in for? Burglaries, I believe. Did he ever tell you this again? Yeah, in 19, I think it was 95 or 96, he was released from prison. And at my apartment on Jackson Street, <clears throat> I brought it up again. And he was just as adamant then as he was in the county. Yeah, he, was, he was convinced that Jamie had told him the truth, and he did. Can, can you tell us about what year the first conversation took place in the McLean County Jail? I believe it was 92 or 93, I'm thinking. It ended 92 or, no, wait a minute, it was 93, because I got married in 93, 93. You were in the county jail, West Pot? Yeah, end of 93, beginning of 94. Okay, what were you in the county jail for? Were you serving a sentence, were you uh, awaiting? Uh, waiting, I was some, for uh, forgery. Forgery on a trial? Yeah. Okay. So you hadn't been to court yet? No. In your letter, just to clarify a point, it says, I was in McLean County Jail in 1992, and while I was there, I got involved in a conversation with a man named Travis Gaddis. Could this letter be wrong, or could you just be mistaken about the date? Maybe it was, I think maybe it was 93 I wrote the letter, is what I'm thinking. So the actual conversation, your first conversation with Travis may have took place in 92, but you wrote the letter in 93. Yeah. It was nine. <laughs> no, I'm sorry about that. That's all right. We understand. But it's just we want to make sure we get this right. Maybe it was 92. I got there. They extradited me from Colorado. And I was, I was just thinking it was 93, but maybe it was 92. Okay. But it was for your extradition from Colorado. Yeah. That's so we can check the court records to find out. Right. And I believe it was in December when I got to the county. Okay. Um, Second conversation you had took place at your apartment on Jackson Street. Jackson Street. And that's where you initiated the conversation with Travis. Yeah. And Travis again said that, yes, Jamie told him that he killed me. Yeah. And that Jamie had left the state. Yeah. Same thing. He said that he went to 
that's why he went to Florida. Because, you know, he wanted to get out of the state. I guess it's just somebody that Jamie had been questioned about it or something. But, you know, he knew he was a, sp a suspect or something. But I really can't, I mean, at that point in time, I wasn't in a very good frame of mind either to really recall a whole lot of anything. Dude, they remember what I did then, y'all. Yeah. You do a lot of drugs back then. Yes, I was. Um, did Travis say where this conversation took place with Jamie? Yeah. I can't remember if he did tell me. You know, I wish I could. Yeah. Where, where's Travis now? Muddy, I think. So he's locked up? Oh, yeah, yeah. For what? For uh, burglaries. Again. Again? Yeah. Do you know that uh, Travis ever spent any time in Centralia? I don't know. It's possible. He's been, you know, the kid's been locked up more than I have, I think. Um. Do you have anything? What, was there a third conversation or any other conversation besides the one in the McLean County Jail, the one on West Jackson Street, your apartment, about this with Travis? No. I haven't seen him since then. So you've had, you've had two conversations with Travis about it. Right. And Travis has told you the same thing both times. Yeah. Have you had a direct conversation with Jamie Snell? Just uh, about this, about the William Little House? About this, no. No. You know Jamie Snell? Yeah, I know who he is. You've seen him? How, how do you know him? From the taverns, the bars. What taverns did you see? Mostly Time Out, the old Sundown Lounge. That's where he frequented. That's where I always seen him, man. Have you heard anybody else? Have you ever talked to anybody else about um, the shooting of William Little? Not, uh... Well, I've mentioned a few. Well, actually, I used to tease Larry Artis about it because he looks like one of the, the drawings, but other than that, no. What did Larry Artis tell you? He's Larry, he didn't say anything. He did not. He never denied it? No, he just kind of laughed it off. But that one picture with the guy with the hat on looks a hell of a lot like Larry, I thought. You know? Okay. Now, did anybody... Did anybody else ever talk to you and tell you they thought Jamie Snow did it? Oh God, I mean, yeah, a number. Of, for some reason, a number of people. Yeah, I've never seen this drawing that looks so much like, you know, the one with the hat on. It does, but not. I mean, I guess is there another one? There's, everybody seems to think that he looks a lot like this. Other, maybe this is a drawing I haven't seen. But yeah, a lot of people that I talked to have kind of suspected that you know he was on the drugs pretty hard and, you know, pretty much doing a lot of shit that normally wouldn't be done, I guess. Other than Travis Gannis, is there anybody you think we should go talk to that would have some good information about the case? And if you don't know of anything for a fact, that's fine, too. The I only person I know that was really, that was, you know, hung with Jamie a lot would have been dying in Westerfield. I mean, I know he was pretty tight with Jamie. But I don't know if you know, it was my dad or not. I don't have anything else.
No, Rick, I really do appreciate you talking to us. Uh, a couple of things i got to say at the end of this interview is that this interview started at 8.40 a.m. and is now um, 8.55 a.m. on March 19, 1999. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Rick has been following along with the podcast and decided that he needed to set the record straight. Even though neither him or Travis ended up testifying, he's now realizing that if we're ever going to get to the truth about who killed Bill Little, we're going to need the whole truth. Earlier this week, Rick reached out to Tammy Alexander and asked her to put him in touch with me. I got on the phone with him yesterday, and as it turns out, Travis was just a drunk guy talking shit. Rick, I won't take a whole lot of your time, and to be honest with you, I I mean, I've read through police reports and things and listen to statements you didn't testify at jamie's trial right no no okay and and neither did travis gattis but his i don't know if you've listened to it or not but his in his interview you hear you know to me even though he didn't testify it gave me a lot of insight into why a lot of people did you know everybody seemed to be wheeling and dealing for time cuts to to give information right which is what it sounded like me with Travis's thing, you know. Right. Now, he got involved uh, because of a letter you wrote to the William family. And I, I guess let me let me start with this case has been a little unique in the fact that usually I spend most of my time trying to track people down. And in this case, I've had a lot of people reaching out to me. And, and you were one, well, sort of, you reached out to Tammy from what she explained to me. Yeah. So why, why did you reach out to Tammy? Well, like I said, this whole started in my apartment a long time ago. It came up. I can't remember why or how. And that's when, you know, Travis was like, well, you know, he did it. He told me he did it. I said, you mean, he actually admitted you? You know, Ricky, and this is my cousin, and I'm believing him. He's like, look at me right now. He goes, yeah, he admitted that he did it. And the more I thought about it, because my little brother was best friends with uh, this little kid. And I thought, you know, I kind of knew the family around about way, and I was you know, as a parent, that's got to be... So I, I thought I was doing the right thing by writing her and saying, look, this is what I was told. I don't know if this helps. But then after running into Travis again a few years later, it came up, and he's like, I never told you that. Yeah, yeah, you did. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, that's when he said, I don't remember saying that. I, that's when I reached out to her. I said, wait a minute. So I wrote this letter, you know, incriminating this man that... I just felt that that was the right thing to do to correct that. So when so the the original conversation you had with Travis in your apartment that was back in what like ninety three ninety four somewhere around there ninety two yeah yeah ninety three somewhere yeah so what what do you remember from that I guess we'll walk through the the steps of that what do you remember from your conversation with him how it came up I don't know I don't remember but. Because I remember I made the remark, and well, I've known, you know, Jamie quite a while. I don't see him doing something like that. And that's when he said, oh, yeah, he, he did it. He told me he did it. 
Okay, so he didn't just come out and and say, "Oh, by the way, you know, I heard this happened." You were talking about Jamie. Yeah, but we're talking about the the case that came up somehow, and I just said, "You know, I've known him for a minute. I said, I don't see him doing that, you know." But when he told me that and said that, uh, well, pretty much like he said in his interview, he said wherever this was, there was. I can't remember who he said. I don't remember Mark McGowan's name coming up, but I remember he said there was a couple of girls there and that he admitted that. And I'm, I don't know. To me, it was just like, well, if he said he did it, and my cousin's telling me this, and I really didn't think about it till a while later when I kept following the paper and how distraught the family was. I thought, well, you know, maybe I need to at least let them know what I know. So uh, when did, how long did you wait before you because you that's how you didn't call the police right you wrote a letter to Bill's family yeah 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 it was uh I don't remember the exact time. it wasn't long maybe it was a month few months or something so it was it was around that same time it wasn't long before you wrote a letter to Bill's parents telling him what that Travis had told you that Jamie had admitted it to him yeah that's yeah that's exactly what I wrote and told him then did you hear anything more? From, did you hear back from them or from the police back then? I know you did an interview like in 1999. Yeah, that that was uh, yeah. I remember it was uh, two detectives coming to talk to me. Yeah. Okay, in '99. Was it? Maybe it might have been that year. Yeah. Now, when you wrote the, back in '90, in the early '90s, when you wrote the letter to Bill's family, did they write back to you, or did they get in touch with you, or did you just write the letter and didn't hear anything about it for five, seven years? I really didn't hear much about anything until they, they come and talk to me. Yeah, I didn't hear back from the family or, you know, kind of just forgot about it and was letting things take its course. But then after following, you know, everything and seeing everything and then Travis telling me that, I'm like, well, you know, I want my name out of this. I don't want no part of this. That man is not guilty. What you just said there is what's not in any of the police reports is Travis telling you that he never said that, you know, whether he doesn't remember it or whether it was, you know, it's, it's hard to remember a lie. So if you're, you know, if you're just talking shit, you know, for whatever reason you're out drinking, you don't really, it wasn't true. It's easy to not remember it. So none of that's in the police reports. If you look at the file, it looks like they just didn't have this guy testify, but, but he did know something. He, what he did hear him confess. When did he tell you that, that he doesn't remember saying that? Oh, let's see. It's been, it's been a couple of years, probably a couple of years now. So after Jamie was convicted? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, this was just a couple of years ago. We just happened to run, in, run into each other, and it came up again. He's like, well, I don't remember telling you that. Well, you did. You stood right in my apartment and told me this. I mean, I didn't say nothing to him about the letter or anything that I had written, but the more I thought about it, I'm like, yeah, to me, it was a big deal because somebody was listening or looking because they come talk to me, and I'm like, I just didn't want no part of you know, Jamie's innocent. I don't want to be a part of this. Did you know that the police had talked to him and, and did that interview with him? I, no, I never knew. I didn't even know they did that until she sent me that to listen to. I had no clue they didn't talk to him. You know this, I mean, I mean, first of all, let me tell you that, I mean, I don't think you have anything to feel guilty about or, or anything. I mean, it, really, it was an admirable thing you did by writing that letter to to Bill's family, if you, you know, you genuinely believe that, that your cousin was telling you the truth. I did. Yeah. It's interesting. The more I dig into this case and see that this is how the whole case happened. It's all these like snowballed rumors. So 
Travis is, you know, drinking, doing whatever, and and just starts running at the mouth. You hear it. You tell someone. You start looking at things like so. Eventually, you've got you know a few years later, you've got Bill's family calling the state's you know key witness, who's Danny Martinez, trying to convince him to identify Jamie and testify. And you wonder why, and it all kind of comes back around. If you if you trace all that back, which is what I've been doing over these several months. That all comes back to these rumors. They got a letter from somebody saying, Jamie did this. He admitted it to my cousin. So, of course, they think he did it. Right, right. No, I, I agree. And the more I think, like I said, I've known Jamie for quite some time. And I, I don't know. I just can't see him doing that. I really can't. <laughs> so why, why do you say, I mean, were you real good friends with him or you just kind of knew him? No, we I don't know if we were good for him. We were friends. We knew each other. I, I've been around him. I've been out, you know, I've drank with him, been at the bars. And I, I've just never seen anything in his character that would lead me to believe he would be capable of, of doing that. Not a violent guy? No, no, not at all. Not that I remember. Most people that I've talked to that knew him back then all seem to say that same thing, that they just, they can't see him. I, I've heard from a lot of people I could see him robbing somebody, but not killing somebody. Yeah, I didn't well, even the Robin, that, that kind of blew me away. I just never knew him like that. I knew he had that capability to even do that much. But as far as hurting somebody like that, no, I would, I'd have to say no. When was it that you knew Jamie, time frame? Like, was it early 90s and the 80s, all through that time? Yeah, pretty much all through the 80s. Okay. Yeah. So is your main reason for reaching out and, and wanting to talk to me, is it is it just to set the record straight because of what's in the police file from what you said? Well, just, well, that, and I've been following this, and on the, I go to the page and watch things, and the more I think about it, I think about, you know, the guy I knew, and I just, to me, none of this is just adding up. I mean, I don't know how he got convicted of this, to be honest. Yeah, I don't either. I mean, I mean, I can see how it happened, you know, if you you go through and see that the the state was withholding evidence and putting pressure on witnesses. And I mean, they were cheating the system, but even with that, there's still, there's still not much there. I'm still baffled how they convicted him because it's just, the case is just air. Yeah. No, it's like you said, it's just people saying this, people saying that, you know? Mm-hmm. And that's, I'm really glad you reached out because even though, you know, Travis didn't end up testifying and, Ultimately, neither you or him became a part of Jamie's case. You're still part of the record, but it gives us more insight into how this happened. That's why everybody that that wants to you know reach out and and explain to me what happened, it helps me to understand how he got convicted because this was just another you know just a drunken shit talking rumor that snowballed into you guys being interviewed trying to prepare to take Jamie to trial for murder. I agree, and yeah. That's why I, I reached out to him. Like, you know, I, no, I mean, I didn't feel that what I said, you know, like science sealed his fate or nothing. But I just felt that I had to do my part and do. I felt I was doing the right thing once, so now I got to do it again. Well, I really appreciate it, and I know Jamie does too. I haven't had a chance to talk to him yet this week, but I will for sure let him know that um, you reached out and, and that you're you're making the effort. Like, yeah, I think it's a good way you put it that. You were doing the right thing, and now you're still wanting to do the right thing and make sure the truth gets out there. Yeah, I would like nothing better than to shake his hand and welcome him home. You know, I think mistakes were made, and I think an innocent man's paying for it. It's time to stop it. 
Rick Bradford is just one of many finally coming forward to tell the truth. In fact, I made contact this week with a key prosecution witness from Jamie's trial. Ed Palumbo testified against Jamie in 2000, and now he's ready to talk. That's next week on Truth and Justice. Truth and Justice is an NBI Studios production and is distributed by Wondery. Mike Bussing is our executive producer, and Shane Yoder is our sound engineer. All music for the show is created, composed, and scored by PutThemInASong.com, who also mixed and mastered this episode. Our Season 7 logo was created by me, with assistance from Zach Weaver and Shane Yoder. All of our font across all of our logos and banners was created by Tate Krupa of Red Swan Graphic Design. You can find more of Tate's work on Etsy. Thank you to Katie Ross of CreatedInTandem.com for designing, creating, managing, and maintaining our website, Truth and Justice Pod, where you can view all photos and documents discussed in every episode. Thank you to our transcription team, Natalie Alicia, Pamela Westby, Pam Maples, and Jen Reese in Candela. And as always, thank you to all of you for all of your engagement and support. If you like the show and you'd like to support us, you can do so in a number of ways. To financially support the show, you can go to patreon.com slash truthandjustice. On the Patreon page, you can pledge as little as $3 a month, and we also have reward levels on Patreon that include access to behind-the-scenes videos of the tapings of our Friday follow-up episodes, ad-free versions of all of our episodes, Truth and Justice Army t-shirts and hats, and even the opportunity to co-host one of our Friday follow-up episodes. You can also help us out by going to iTunes and leaving us a five-star rating and review. And lastly, you can always support us by supporting the companies that sponsor this program. If you have a new case that you'd like us to consider for future seasons, you can submit your cases on our website, truthandjusticepod.com. Click on the case submission button and fill out the form. And the most important thing that you can do is engage in the investigations. You can keep in touch with us through our email at theories at truthandjusticepod.com, or you can like our Facebook page or join in on the conversation on the Truth and Justice Podcast fans page. And for all of you tweeters, you can connect with us on Twitter. The show's handle is at TruthJusticePod, and my personal Twitter handle is at BobRuffTruth. And you can even follow Mike at MBussing89. For more personal interactions, feel free to follow me on Instagram at TruthJusticePod. Don't forget that we always have our 24-7 voicemail line open for questions, comments, and tips on our cases. That phone number is 269-224-2833. However you do it, stay engaged, stay in touch. But as for now, I'm signing off. I'm Bob Ruff, and this has been... Truth and justice.